Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Lord, you loved us first. And now we love you. You chose us first. And now, Lord, we declare we choose you. You who began this good work on us us, will bring it on to completion until the day that Jesus comes for us. Father, you are good. Your love is complete. And we are filled with that love this morning. We declare to you, we love you. Our affection, our devotion is totally to you. We give you praise, honor, and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Oh, I don't know, a few weeks back, Jess McCabe asked if I would teach his class, and he was teaching the book of Ephesians, and they were in chapter 3. And that week, as I studied chapter 3, God did something in my life. Uh, I got a revelation that, uh, you know, have you ever got one of those revelations you thought you already had? I got a clearer picture of something that I thought I already understood. I've been preaching for 40, well, this January will be 48 years. And I finally, I, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't say that for that. I'm telling you, uh, old dogs can learn new tricks. It's what you learn after you know it all. This is to you young people. It's what you all, what you learn after you know it all that counts. And, and I want you to understand, the Word of God is alive and well, and revelation is still being poured out. Don't ever read over a Scripture. Because you've read it. You see, I just quoted. Do you all know what verse I quoted when I prayed? John 3, 16 and 17. I quoted it. But do you know, if you go back and read John 3, 16 and 17, you can find something new in it every time you read it. You'll find a different uh, emphasis in those things. Now, I'd read and I've preached through the book of Ephesians. I've done all these. But for the first time in my life, God has... I feel like Peter Parker. You know who Peter Parker is, kids? Peter Parker? Spider-Man? But he wasn't always Spider-Man. He's only got to be Spider-Man because he got bit by a spider, right? And he became something that he never knew was possible because he got bit. I'm asking the Lord to bite you this morning. That you can get a revelation that God has given me that you literally can become someone, something that you have never been before. I want you to become the hero of our day. Not Peter Parker or Spider-Man, but somebody in love with the Lord Jesus and see what he can do. Are you at, uh, at Ephesians 3? I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Uh, now, I've taught 
on this before. Uh, I, in fact, in 2018, if you go back online, you can see that I taught a whole series on mysteries because the word that got me was this word mystery. And I asked myself a question and God answered. Uh, I taught about the mystery of God, the mystery of evil, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of new creations, the mystery of godliness, even the end of mysteries, the second coming of Christ. But this, that week, I believe God gave me a fresh revelation that I'd never proclaimed the way that I'm going to be sharing it this morning. And I, I hope I can find the words that might open up the eyes of your heart to see it too. But I am confident of the truth that's in the text, that it is so glorious and so fantastic that it'll break out and shine on its own, even if you don't understand me, if you'll just look at it long enough. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. I'll get on with it, huh? For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation or the stewardship of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read it, you may understand my knowledge of the, in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, this mystery, mysterion is the Greek word there. It means that which God has hidden that only God can reveal. It was a a secret purpose of God. It was in the plan of God which when uncovered is understood by revelation. It's This mystery is something that man would have never come up with, that no one but God would have planned and accomplished. And Paul says that this mystery, God's plan hidden for ages, has been made known to him by revelation. The word revelation is apocalypsis. We get our word apocalypse from it. It's, that word revelation means that God takes the lid off. He uncovers. He reveals. He pulls back the curtain. The idea here is Paul said, God took the lid off of this mystery and I was given the grace to preach it to the Gentiles. Well, what was the mystery? Look at verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I made a minister according to the gift of the grace that God's given me by the effective working of His dunamis, His power. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. The mystery that Paul gets is the mystery of the church. Go back to... Verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2, and it's not going to be on your screen, but I want you to see it for yourself. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has both, has made both one, he's talking about Gentile and Jew, and has broken down the middle wall of division between us, having abolished in his flesh, meaning the cross, the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, in other words, Jesus fulfilled them all, so as to create in himself, Read that word. To create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. 
and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity or the problem, basically. In other words, when I often read this in, in Ephesians, I've talked about the Jews and the Gentiles and the middle wall of partition being broken down and now they can become one in Christ. And I've talked about, but that's not what the scripture says. The mystery of the church is not that God was going to make the Jews accept the Gentiles and the Gentiles accept the Jews. That God was going to take the Jews and the Gentiles and make them one new man. One new body. Something that had never existed before. It wasn't Jew and it wasn't Gentile. Now, when you hear the word Gentile, we think of, well, it must have been Greeks. Gentile means the nations. It means everybody who wasn't a Jew. Okay? In other words, when he says he's going to make the Jew and the Gentile one new man, he wasn't saying I'm going to make one, one nation and another nation into to one new nation. He was saying I'm going to take what I have done in the Jews and I'm going to bring in the Gentiles through the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm going to create something that has never existed before. I'm going to create one new man, one new body. I'm going to create the church. I have got a new revelation of the church that I have never seen before. I know when you hear church, you think of congregation, you think of, well, it's a Baptist church, Church of Christ, it's Methodist church, it's all these. You, you think, oh, I'm not talking about any denomination. I'm, not, I'm talking about the revelation of what God did in Christ when He formed a one, a new creation called the church. The body of Christ. And that body, well, I've got to read this verse. He put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. When I'm talking about the church, I'm not just talking about the local assembly. I'm talking about in God's eternal plan, he planned for something that had never been seen before. He planned for the body of Christ not to be limited to the flesh of Jesus. We're going to talk about it later. I'm going to preach three weeks. You've got to come back next week. God literally has made us bone of His bones. You say, how can that be? It's a mystery. It's something that God planned, and it's an eternal plan, and it had not been, it had been hidden for the ages until God revealed it, and He has now revealed it. And that's what Paul is preaching to the Gentiles. God wasn't going to make a Jew a Gentile or a Gentile a Jew. He was going to make one brand new man in Christ Jesus. He created an entirely new creation, the body of Christ. And then verse 8, look at that. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That word unsearchable means it's untraceable. It's better than you could ever believe. There's so much involved in this that you couldn't even understand it if everything was made known to you. It is so good. You've got it so good. And then look at verse 9. And to make all see 
what is the fellowship of the mystery. In other words, the shared life of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. The Gentiles, the nations, whosoever will, are fellow heirs, fellow partakers of God's promises in Christ. Galatians 3.28 says it this way, There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. The church is a new creation under a new covenant made up of all peoples who come by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that mystery had been hidden. Hidden in God from the beginning. This mystery of the church, this body of Christ... Made up of all peoples. What was hidden was what God planned. In verse chapter 1 verse 10 it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him. And then Paul prayed in verses 18 through 23 of chapter 1, it's going to be on the screen, that the eye, he prayed that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of the divine energy of His mighty power. And authority, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenlies, or the heavenly places. Far above principality and power, mark those words, principality and power and might and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, we just read that a moment ago, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, The fullness of him who fills all in all. Eugene Peterson in the message translation, I love how he says it. He says, at the center of all of this, everything that we know, at the center of all of creation, is the church. Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world or on the sidelines. The world is on the sidelines to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he, Christ, speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Now, boy, if you just get a picture of this. The church is the thing that God is going to use to fill this world with his presence. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is He's not going to do it without us. He's not going to come on us and do something that He hasn't already planned and is already up to. He is already doing it in His church. Let me say it another way. He's already doing it in you. He is. Because He planned it. Now, it's been hidden. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Paul talked about in Colossians, he said, this is the mystery that's been hidden from the ages. Verse 27, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, you've got to be a Texan to really translate that. It's really Christ in y'all. You see, what we've done is we've made it individual. We've made it about me. 
in my relationship with God. God has a plan that's so much bigger than you, and yet you're a part of it. You're essential to it because you're a part of the body of Christ. But it's Christ in y'all. It is the confident expectation of God getting the glory and bringing the glory that He's always planned to do. Christ in y'all. Yeah, even you, Luther. Christ in y'all. It's us. Now, here's the question that got to the revelation. Why was it hidden? Have you ever thought, why did God hide it? Well, maybe there's another question in front of that. Did God hide it? So what did it mean that he hid, he hid this mystery of the church for generations? And it was hidden in Him. It was His plan. It was hidden in Him. Why did He hide it? And then maybe we need to start talking about, did He hide it? You got a Bible. Do you know I began to look at the Old Testament, the Scripture, before Jesus came. And I began to see, they knew the Messiah was coming, but they did not understand that God was going to be in Christ when He was born in Bethlehem. They knew He was going to be Emmanuel, God with us, but they did not know it was going to be God in Him. That was hidden. They didn't know that. They knew the Messiah was coming, but they didn't know that He was going to be God in Christ. They knew the Messiah would deliver them, but they didn't understand it was going to be through a cross. Though they had Isaiah 53 and and Psalm 22. But you see, it wasn't revealed. And do you know that most Jews still don't read Isaiah 53 to this day? One day, this, this blinder is going to be taken off. And they're going to become a part of everything God's up to in this world. That's just, that's free. That's for nothing. They didn't see the cross. Now listen to me. If they didn't see the cross in the Old Testament, they sure didn't see the resurrection. Now Paul says, Psalm 16.10 is a revelation of the resurrection. And while that Paul says... In Psalm 16.10, if you read it, it says that He will not allow my anointed one to see corruption. Well, what it meant was, I'm just not, in other words, the dead will rise someday. They did not see that on the third day after the cross that Jesus was going to come out of the grave victorious over sin and death. They didn't see. Why did Jesus come out of the grave? Listen to me, the tomb is empty that you could be filled. They didn't see that. Not only did they not see the cross or the resurrection, they knew the Gentiles would participate in the kingdom, that God had plans of grace towards them. It's prophesied in the Old Testament. But they never understood that the Jew and Gentile would literally become one new man, that there would be no difference, that the middle wall of partition would be eliminated, that there would be no distinction between the two, that they would be equal before God. They didn't understand that. Why? Because they didn't understand that Christ would come to be in the one who believes. They were looking for a Messiah to be with them. They weren't looking for a Christ to be in them. It was hidden. Was it hidden? Yes. But I still hadn't answered my question. Why was it hidden? 
None of you asking that question yet? Why was it hidden? Look at verse 10. This is the verse that God turned the light on and literally has blown me away with what we have as the church. You ready to read verse 10? To the intent. It was hidden to the intent for the purpose that now, everybody say now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Say by the church. God purposed that now the manifold wisdom of God would be made known, displayed, evident by the church. Look at the next words. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. God hid it that now in this age the multifaceted, the multicolored wisdom of God might be made known by the church, the body of Christ, to the principalities and powers in the heavens. Heavenly places is not heaven where God resides. Heavenly places is just an atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere that is not on earth. It's, it's here. It's the heavenlies. It's, it's, it's spiritual. God is doing something in the church that is going to wake up every principality and power, every demon and devil of hell. They're going to see what God is going to do in His church. We're going to reveal the wisdom of God by the church. Now, principalities, power. You'll read some commentators that say, well, this is just angels. Well, there's two kinds of angels. There's angels that do what God says, and then there's angels that are fallen, that are demonic. And it's used principality. I believe Paul is talking about principalities, powers, as being the Satan and his minions, his demons. Why do I say that? Because everywhere else in... Ephesians, he's talking about principalities and powers. In other words, in Ephesians 1, what I told you, Mark, a while ago, when he says that you might know that God has raised Jesus far above principalities and powers and dominions and everything that's named. God has raised Jesus out of the plans of principalities and powers and given him authority over them. And guess who he's given it to? Authority over them in his body, the church. He also said, I'll, I'll do it, most of us have, uh, have learned this one, Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. You realize that what Paul is probably talking about here, that God hid this, hid this mystery of the church from principalities and powers that in our day, in this day, now, we might make manifest, we might reveal the multifaceted wisdom of God to them, to the principalities and powers. In other words, God's going to say, in your face, this is what I've done. And you didn't see it. Folks, listen to me. Satan didn't know what God was up to. He hid it. He hid it in himself. Satan knows the Bible. He understood from Old Testament scriptures that the Messiah would come. And we know even from the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, that he knew 
when he would come and how he would come, he knew where he would come. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. Satan even moved in the heart of Herod to kill all the babies two years and younger because he knew the Messiah was coming. What he didn't know was God was coming in the Messiah. It was hidden. Not only was it hidden about who Jesus was, nowhere in the Old Testament would Satan find any prophecies concerning the church. The mystery of one body. Satan could see unbelieving Jews rejecting the Messiah. He was working on that. And he could see Gentiles, even if they trusted Messiah, they was always going to be fighting the Jews. But he couldn't see both believing Jews and Gentiles united in one body, seated with Christ in the heavenly, completely victorious over he and his demons. If he had, he wouldn't have done what he did. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 7. It's going to be on your screen. But we speak the wisdom... Of God in a mystery. There it is again. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers, principalities, and powers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had Satan known what God had hid, Jesus would have never went to the cross because he knew what that would do. But Satan didn't know. Now he does. Satan knows now. The problem is, does the church know now what God has done? In fact, he knows he's lost. Revelations 12, 12 says he knows he has but a short time and he's coming down, he's come down with great wrath. Folks, he knows his judgment day is coming. He knows one day he's going to be locked up forever. He knows he's lost. And the first thing that made him know that is he lost you. He lost you. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1. And you, he made alive. Jesus made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, I'm going to put in another word, according to the principalities and powers of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, say, but God, when Satan had done his best, God did his. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show, display, manifest the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God got you out that he might get you in to become a display of the incredible riches of Jesus Christ. You are right now, we think, well, I'm, I'm here. Well, you are, according to God, in His purposes, you are right now seated at the right hand of God. Why? Because you're the body of Christ. But you're right now here on this earth 
but you, Christ is in you, so you're still the body of Christ. You're there and you're here. You say, well, how can I be both? It's a mystery. You can't figure it out. It never got into your mind that it would be so. A mystery is something God has planned and purpose that's hidden until He reveals it. He's revealed it. Now, will you believe Him? If you will believe Him that by grace you're saved, then will you believe Him that by God's grace, the church is absolutely all-encompassing, victorious over Satan and his demons. The devil ain't winning. It's not good English. Satan didn't see you coming. But now, we are to make known the wisdom of God. Look at verse 11. According to the eternal purpose, God planned it a long time ago, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. We have boldness and access. Okay. The revelation is this. Satan has no power over the church. None. You, the church, are a new creation, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, alive on this earth, in order to display the manifold wisdom of God. What God lost in the garden, He got back in you. When I say God lost it, what man lost in the garden... By believing the lie, God gets back in the church. Satan didn't see it coming. Can you imagine how? Listen, when you get up in the morning, you are just, you get up in the morning and you say, Good morning, Lord, Satan trembles. The moment you begin to pray, demons begin to shake. Because you're connecting to the part of your head that's a part of this body and your whole day is going to give Satan a headache. Because he knows you are the representation of Christ himself in the earth. And you see, we see that so little. We think that, well, I'm nothing. I, know I can't be a part of it. I, you know, boy, I wish the church would do something. Guess who's the church? If you just understood when you pray and when you talk to God, when you know Him and when you hear Him and when you respond to Him, hell shakes. Because it's the wisdom of God, of what God is doing in the earth. The problem is, we don't know it. Why don't we know it? Because we're still believing the lie. You see, Satan's only hope of prolonging his judgment is to keep the church in the dark. To keep you not knowing who you really are. See, his only hope is to deceive to you. So he tells you lie. Well, you're not, you're not really good. I mean, how do you know you really trust God? Use doubts and fears. He intimidates you. Well, who are you? Well, let me tell you who you are. I'm a blood-bought child of God, 
My head is in the heavenlies and my hands are on this earth and these hands are God's and He can do anything He wants to. I have all authority over all the power of the enemy. That's who I am. I don't know why I always go over here. I'll come over here. You've got to understand that. You see, when you get up in the morning and you think, oh no, it's Monday, you ought to say, oh Lord, give the devil a bad day. You are the mystery to the world. They don't understand. You've got a revelation of who you are. And all, when the devil comes at you and he comes like a flood, the Bible says, raise up the banner. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Bring it. I know who I am. I know what he's done. And anything he tells me to say, I'm going to say. And you know what happened? The demons will flee. In 1984, and I was pastoring in a Baptist church. God was moving in our lives. God had just done a work in Connie and I's life. And I remember walking by a room and a young, a young person, probably still, well, he was still in high school. I walked by a room, going to my office, and a voice comes out of that room. And this young man had a demon talking through him. Now, people say, well, you don't believe in demons, surely. Does the Scripture teach demons? Okay. This voice came out of him, and so I, scared, I went into the room. But understanding, and I discovered something, that a demon has no authority over you. And something, and the only reason I'm telling you this story is to tell you what the demon said to me. That, and I want you to tell you, a demon's always a liar. But the deal is, sometimes he tells you the truth because he can't do anything but it. And what the demon said, I asked him what he was doing here. Not talking to the boy, I was talking to the demon. I said, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What, what, what are you up? And he says, your church. I said, what about our church? He says, it's too strong. Well, what I didn't know, I was a young man, I did not know this at this time. What I didn't know at that time is he wasn't talking about that local church. He was talking about the church. We've got to stop you. We've got to deceive you. We've got to intimidate you, push you, isolate you, push you to the sidelines. We've got to. Because if you ever wake up to be who you are, we're through. He didn't say that to me. That's what I understand now. The whole point I'm trying to make is, we need to be the church. I don't mean be be an organization. I'm talking about be the body of Christ. When you are by yourself, you're still part of a body of Christ. You may not think you have anything you can do, but let me tell you, the very thing you're doing, you don't know how that's a piece in the puzzle that God is demonstrating His manifold wisdom and He can change the world. He did it with Jesus and He can still do it with His body. But we've got to get the revelation. We've got to see it. You become behind in nothing. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. We're the church, the only institution on earth that the gates of hell and the power of death will not prevail against us. Now we are stewards of this mystery that has been revealed. We can have all the boldness and confidence 
of the one who lives in us. The only way Satan has to prolong it is to deceive us, distract us, discourage us. Now listen to this. And divide us. If he can divide the body of Christ. If he can make us at war with one another. With our brothers and sisters instead of at war with him. He's prolonged the day. There's coming a day. I pray it soon. That the church of Jesus Christ is going to wake up. Is going to stand up. We're no longer going to be on the sidelines. We're going to be in the headlines. Because the body of Christ is the one authority in this world who can change things. We've got to do it. We've got to see it. We've got to believe it. And then we have to stand. i got to quit. Three men were working on a pile of construction, at a, constru- a pile of stone at a construction site of an elaborate cathedral that was being built. Multi-millions of dollars. They were the stonemasons. The architect came down to the job site wanting them to see, wanting the, he's wanting everybody to see what was going on. And so he walks up to the first worker and he says, what are you doing? And the first worker says, without even looking up, cutting stone. Not getting the answer he was looking for. He, trying for a better answer, he asked the second worker, what are you doing? And he says, earning a living. Disappointed, he asked the third worker, sir, what are you doing? The man dropped his hammer and his chisel. And he stand up, he stood up and with a gleam in his eyes, he says, I'm building a cathedral. All three men had the same job, chiseling stone. But one saw what he was doing far beyond the menial task he was doing. Paul is trying to get us to see beyond the menial task to to see what we're a part of. The eternal task purposes of God the manifold wisdom of God and you're a part of it you are essential to what God's doing he's not going to do it without us we got to wake up the mystery has been revealed and you're all part of it that is if you know Jesus You see, one thing about it is that in what is called the institution of the church, there's a lot of people who have joined the church for all the wrong reasons. They've joined the church so they could go to heaven when you die. Hey, i got news for you. Don't wait until you die. Why don't you step into heaven now? You say, that's not possible. Have you read the Scripture? You're seated with Him in the heavenlies 
while your two feet are here. And he's put everything under his feet. Did you hear that? He's put everything under his feet. Well, let me ask you, who's his feet? His body. We're the feet. We've got to wake up and understand, unless we really don't know Jesus, we accepted a prescription for a place, and we're just going to wait till we die to get there. And let me tell you something, folks. The Christian life is so much more than dying and going to heaven. It's bringing heaven to your house and living in the authority of a new covenant as a new creation for the glory of God. And when God adds your part to this part and to that part and to this part, all of a sudden the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Do you know Him? Do you believe Him? Then stand up. Stand up. Know what you're a part of. And let's do it together. Would you stand together with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're asking you to wake us up, fill us up, fire us up. Lord, it's not about us being something. It's about you being everything. And Lord, we trust that you've made us one new man as a new creation and a new covenant, that, Father, you're going to do it through your body on this earth, and it's revealed now. Let us be your body on this earth now. We trust you. In Jesus' name, we're not alone. Amanda, would you lead us in a closing hymn, please? I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves us. I've got a friend. He is my strength. He is my portion. With me in the valley. With me in the fire. With me in the storm. Let
Wow. Hidden in plain sight. I was thinking of the first service and again the second. Uh, you may have seen that book uh, years and years ago called Where's Waldo? It was a picture, you know, full of just chaos and craziness and faces and just hundreds or thousands of faces. And in the mix of all those faces was Waldo. But he was in plain sight. But you couldn't find him, or that was the whole point, was where is he? Can you find him? Once you found him, it was obvious. It, it, he was right there, and he was there the whole time. And that that's this mystery that Pastor Darrell was proclaiming this morning, that it is in the Old Testament. It all is there. But we didn't see it. And the devil didn't see it. And the powers and the heavenly places didn't see it. But it's been revealed. But it's still hidden to so many. And if you think about your own life, when you came to that revelation, you saw the passion in Pastor Darrell as he proclaimed this word. He saw it. God gave him this revelation after 48 years of preaching and following Christ. He read Ephesians 3 again and he got a new revelation, but he got it. And he's trying to tell it to you and to share it with us. But unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and gives you that revelation and you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you won't see it. And if you've accepted him, if you've heard him, no one can convince you otherwise. No demon from hell, no person you run into proclaiming a new truth can convince you otherwise because you know. And our heart is that you will know if you are here this morning and you have not come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all you have to do is believe in him and receive him and he will be with you, in you for all eternity. You, it, we never get past it. When Candy and I go through uh, circumstances and life hits us, we go back to God. We go back to the Word. We're no different than you. We have nowhere else to go. We have no one else to turn to. We have to go back to Jesus Christ because He's all that we have. But He's enough. He's more than enough. Dear Jesus, we thank You. We thank you that you revealed that mystery, that you came, that you lived your life, that you died on that cross, but most of all that you rose again and you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of your Father. And that you have called the body of Christ to live on this earth, to be your hands and feet, Father. And I pray that we walk out of here with that revelation this morning. Lord, that we would know who we are in Christ Jesus. That we would testify of who you are and what you've done. Lord, and that whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, they can receive you, believe in you, and become part of this new body. The body of Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. Father, we give you all praise and all glory and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before you go, we've just got a couple of quick announcements. 
middle school and high school youth are going to be meeting tonight in NCC West at 4.30 p.m. Uh, Amanda is going to be getting honeyed and feathered, I believe, around 6.15 p.m. If anybody wants to come and watch that, she made that deal with them uh, in the food drive for the mission, and they gathered the most food, so she's, she's going to be doing that tonight. Um, NCC kids and life groups continued their break, but ladies, uh, we would invite all of you this Wednesday night to join the women's group circle of friends, uh, and bring, bring some friends, uh, to a special Christmas party in the fellowship hall, which is just right over here. You can park in the East parking lot. It's at 6:30 PM this Wednesday, December 1st, wear your craziest Christmas sweater and bring a snack to share. There will be uh, prizes. Um, there is no child care for that event, and if you've got any questions, you can ask Casey Smart. Uh, there's also a drive-through coat for cookie drive this Saturday from 1030 to 1230 at the Mission. If you have a gently used coat, whether it's uh, children's, adult, women's, men's, any coat, or would like to get a new coat to donate, um, they will be swapping cookies for your coat uh, from 1030 a.m. to 1230 this Saturday at the Mission. You can just drive by, hand them your coats, and they'll give you some cookies. Um, and also, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Saturday, December 4th at 7 p.m., we're going to have a, another throne room worship encounter. It's in the, in the sanctuary, 7 p.m. this Saturday. It's just a time of worshiping our Lord and Savior. Um, you, if you haven't been, I highly encourage you to attend. It's a, it's a wonderful time of worship. God bless y'all and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 